Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Readings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man on Twitter you know as JepaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? All good. The bye period has finished. There are only nine rounds remaining in the season. How about that? Business end, isn't it, mate? It's, uh, it's time to uh, take the risk, I think, now, hey? Just about. The I've got some data that I've um, dug up from the top 25 teams. Now, just going to go back and see what they scored over the three-week buy period. So from rounds 12, 13, and 14. So the top 25 teams. So round 12, the top 25 averaged 1739.5 points. Round 13, that was 1894.7 points. And in round 14, it was 1802.8 points. So most of that top 25 was stacked into round 13. So it's interesting there. So the average out of the top 25 for the three-week period was 5,437 points. And that equates to an average of 1,812.3 points. Um, Just some high scores there over... Uh, the top 25, so in round 12, the highest score was 1895 out of the top 25 teams. In round 13, the highest score was 2060, amazing. Cool. And the highest score in round 14 was 1955. So out of the top 25 teams as well, the three best scoring teams were team uh, rank number two, uh, scored 5,583. Uh, team rank number 13, 5,595. So that's fantastic. And team rank number 17, 5,574. Your thoughts, Jep? Yeah, look, they're great scores. Um, I think most did really well over the buy rounds. Uh, the last buy round obviously just gone was the toughest. The toughest for me and for um, for those averages, across, especially in the round 14, that's pretty impressive, and that's why I'm there in the top 25. Excellent. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link from the Plus 6 Podcast Twitter feed, you go in with a chance at scoring a Plus 6 Podcast app. Uh, just in, did a little bit of a giveaway there on the weekend, so we're going to give a few more away at the end of the season, and we're going to do some more comps throughout the remainder of the home and away season there as well. So just keep a look at on the Twitter feed for that as well. Also, AFL Ratings Twitter feeds, so jump on those and follow along. So plenty of fantasy content there as well, or I ask in return for the content, uh, likes and retweets. Additionally, the fantasy content on aflratings.com.au, so jump on there, plenty of injury stuff there on there as well. Uh, remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 22. And as always, definitely, as always, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Just a couple of things to go over again. As I said previously in the last couple of weeks, uh, coaches make adjustments coming off the bye. So just keep a look at that for the second half of the season. So it's new and adjusted roles for the players. And also be aware of fixture and time changes as well, uh, especially for trades coming up this week. So we've got some fixture changes in there already. So just keep an eye out for that. Your thoughts there, Jip? Yeah, it's, um, it's, we've got to keep up with the news. I think the first 14 rounds have taught us that anything's possible and things are fluid, so um, we just need to adapt. Okay, on to some general questions, Jip. So here we go. What are the three key areas to focus in on now that we have completed the buy period? 
So obviously the priority is making your last few upgrades. I think that's number one, um, getting that sorted. Number two is picking the PODs now. I think, you know, nine rounds to go, there's uh, there's not a lot left to gain if we're striving for the overall rank. So it's it's time to take the risks and, and sort of gauge the fixture and, and see who's got easy runs and who's going to hit those high ceilings. So it's it would stack the PODs um, across all lines. And then lastly, it's just making sure we've got backup plans. Um, I know it's a rolling lockout and we can hold trades, but anything can happen and, and those um, sudden trades can can force our hands. So making sure we've got a backup plan that's decent and, um, and yeah, we should be good to go for the next nine weeks. Okay, for me, it was maintaining a close eye on returning players from injury. So cheap options may look good for the week upcoming, but beyond that, they could have job security issues. So the one this week would be Kieran Briggs. So he was a bit of a target last week. So with Shane Mumford available to return this week, whether he returns or not, who knows? And he's pretty much uh, favourably on Cameron, you would think at this stage, uh, because he's been uh, favoured over Matt Flynn as well. So you've just got to be keeping eye on injuries and when players are returning. Port Adelaide's in that scenario as well. And also the depth of a playing list. So obviously Mitch Duncan does go out with injury, but that the Cats have pretty good depth there as well. So just really keep an eye on that and monitor that. So upgrading those final few players, keeping in mind the differential in points when upgrading. So if you were to do like a Sean Darcy to a Brody Grundy, you might get 10 to 15 point uh, payoff this week. But if you did like a... Um, a rookie or 400k player that's averaging 60 and you could get to like a you know not not really like a like a Whitfield type but like a Jake Lloyd type um, you could be looking at like a 50 or 40 uh, point upgrade so uh, keep an eye on obviously your break evens and your cash flow and where that cash is going to be coming in from and whether you can wait a week on a trade I know I said previously you can go early but yeah, right now we're chasing points and yeah, that point differential for that one week could be the payoff for you and better in the long term. Also targeting, as you said, Jeb, targeting unique, but I'm going to add high ceiling players. So uh, right now for the rest of the remainder of the season, if you're going to crush through that ownership in front of you right now, you've got to target some unique players and it's those high ceiling players we're going to get into some of those on this podcast right now. Okay, Jeb. Brody Grundy, is he the number one priority this week for those that traded him out? What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't think he's the number one priority. I think he'd be top three, but it just depends where you're filling the lines. Many is going to have Amadi as an R2 or in their forward line, and I think Amadi's shown us that he can dominate in the air and take those marks and get the plus sixes, kick a couple of goals. So he'd be... You'd be set with that um, on field, but obviously if Amadi's your last rook on field, you, you look to upgrade. So Grundy, I think Grundy's going to do, the break will do wonders for him as a bigger fellow and, um, you know, the pressure off the joints and, and he's got a heavy workload and has a, had a heavy workload for a number of years. I think he's going to come back really fresh and really great. Um, Sean Darcy's not a great tap ruckman. He does only average 25. I think Grundy's going to get get him there and um, score pretty well. He's obviously a bit more mobile than Sean Darcy. So, um, he'd look, if I could do it, and I've got other issues to sort of iron out, I would. Um, but, yeah, it's not 
there's a lot of choices this week, and, and Grundy's still pretty expensive. So for me, it's based on what your number two and three option is. So if you've got other issues to deal with, you maybe you can wait a week or two on Grundy. However, the FOMO with not having Grundy is going to it's going to get very very real very very quickly. So if he bangs off a 130 140 uh, this week against Fremantle, man, it's going to be a monster target. And not only that, um, he's a low owned player right now, and he's a high ceiling player. So um, the low owned, I've talked a lot about ownership, and this definitely mm-hmm. is a low owned player, and he's obviously pretty much in that number one, number two ruck uh, situation there. So just on that ruck situation there as well, could you have this towards the end of the season? You have Gorn and Grundy R1, R2. Could you have Darcy in the forward line as well? Could you be could you be rolling with that towards the end of the year, Jep? Yeah, I, I likely will be rolling with that. Um, you know, Darcy scares me a little bit with his injury history and likelihood, but, you know, you can't die wondering here now. I, I still think Darcy's a top six forward, so, mm. and Grundy and Gorn are obviously the top two rucks, so, yeah, I think that's a very likely scenario for many. Okay, on to Sam Walsh. As I said earlier in the year, Jeb, I said he could be the one that be targeted for a tag. Now he's had yeah. some he's had some run-withs this year. But on the weekend, we've seen Matt DeBoer apply a very hard tag and we've seen what sort of floor Sam Walsh does have, and it's pretty poor. So what can we re- expect for the remainder of the season? Your thoughts? Oh, look, disappointing. Um, he, he, we, we know what he can do and he can bounce back and he's got a high work rate and he's a proud fella and of his football club and the club need him. But, you know, the way Carton are going... They didn't help him out at all. He's probably a lone ranger there. It's it might be an uphill battle for him to get back to the, you know, the hundred plus scores we know he can score. So the concerning from thing for me, Jet, was that David T got in that press conference post game and he said he tried to move Sam Walsh around. That's not what you do. You, obviously, the old Mick Moldhouse theory was that you know with Ben Cousins, and I heard this on radio on the weekend, is that. You know, Cousins got a tag early in his career and he was shut down. And, and Moldau said, no, he's got to learn that because he's going to get that for these next 200 games. Yeah. So pretty much Walsh could be in that scenario. But David T came out in his press conference and he said exactly the opposite of what Moldau's did. And we're talking, this is like a long time ago, but Moldau said, man, he's got to play, but he's got to learn to deal with it. And, and David T said, yeah, we moved him around. But the, ta- the, the tag or the cooler role, as per Adam Simpson, it could be on for the remainder of the season. Maybe not really hard, but, man, they shut out Sam Walsh and they pretty much shut down Carlton. The Blues were okay in, in patches, but they were pretty much non-existent on the weekend again. So his points floor isn't sustainable for his price for the remainder of the year. So if he's targeted for the remainder of the season, man, I'd be getting the hell out of there and I'd be getting the hell out of there very quickly. What are you thinking there? Yeah, it's um, and these are the calls because Walsh is highly owned. You, you've got to make the call now, or, or back yourself in for the rest of the year. In my opinion, um, you can't sort of half-ass it and then trade him out in two weeks. You've got to make these hard calls. Um, you know those that live on, you know, that want to be a bit different because I think the majority will hold given what Carlton's run is coming up. Um, but yeah, I think trading him. Could uh, could pay dividends for to gain rank for sure. 
So another player that's in question here at the moment is Scott Pendlebury. So he started in midfield early in the season for the Magpies. Uh, then he hurt his finger, which we didn't really know at the time. So I believe he might have cut his finger or whatever. So Buckley puts him forward. So pretty much to, to play in, because his, his legs were okay, so he was able to run, he was able to get a little bit of the ball, but it was to protect his finger. So since then, he's gone back into the midfield and he's played a little bit in defence at a half-back as well. So both midfield and half-back are really good premium scoring positions for a player like Pendlebury. So now he's dropped a stack of salary due to his low scores, obviously playing forward. Now he is monster value. So he plays in the midfield recently and a little bit of half-back and his scores have returned and his scores have returned to a pretty good level. So at his price, he is monster value for me, uh, Jeb, but... But, now I do love the trade, it's value, and I'm saying getting him in. But, it's a change of coach, so you've got to factor that in just a little bit. Uh, but he is healthy now after that finger concern. Again, a midfield or halfback role are both premium scoring positions. For me, a lot to like based on value. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think we can rule out that the forward, him playing half forward, doesn't work I for thought, Collingwood. I wouldn't have thought he's um, yeah. And you're not getting the best out of Pendlebury playing in there. So I, I rule that out pretty quickly, but gee whiz, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, for me, I struggle with the t- I'm still struggling with the top six forwards. And when Pendles is available under 600 grand as a forward, I think it is, you can't say no to it. Or well, I can't say no to it as it stands, but. You know, things will change probably. So I'm all for it, even though his high ownership is likely to come and his, uh, his ownership, as we speak, is sit, sitting at 9%. So, you know, that could well be 18 to 20% by lockout. And and it, rightly so. So sometimes you just got to go with what's sensible and Pendlebury is a sensible pick. All right, Jeff, we're going to get into some ownership now, so from round 14. So there's a top 25 there. So the Rarks are gone 100% owned, so that's locked in. Sean Darcy, total, 40% owned. Riley O'Brien, 20% owned. Brody Grundy, just one team at 4% owned. Your thoughts? Wow. So if you're that one team, you're pretty set um, because, you know, Darcy's almost 100 grand cheaper if he doesn't own him. You would assume he probably doesn't, um, and he can probably look to bring him in this week or Pendles. So yeah, it's. Um, I think the O'Brien owners are probably the most nervous, eh? Uh, not sure about that. I still think O'Brien's going to score quite well, but yeah. Um, He's probably another one that would actually do really well after the rest. Thinking yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. you know, big bigger unit, um, big load on his time and and his body and his been playing injured, so a weak rest does wonders. Okay, looking at the defenders, Jeb, we're going to go a bunch of wholly owned players to start with. So Rory Laird, 96%, Lockie Whitfield, 92%. So that ownership sort of just hit max in two weeks. Uh, what we've got here is Isaac Cumming, 76%, Sam Doherty, 72%, Tom Stewart, 52%, Dan Houston, 48%, and you've got to imagine that's going to climb again next week. Your thoughts on any one of those players? Yeah, so Cumming and Houston, the lesser likes, the cheaper of the uh, the traditional primos. So people cashing in on value, and that's no surprise given the challenges we've had with injuries and, and quality rooks. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you a group of low-owned players uh, in, that can be used in defence. Um, Callum Mills, 40%, so it's still quite low, I would imagine. No, I think he's been pretty solid this year. Oleg Markov, 32%. Jaden Short, 24%. Jordan Ridley, a little bit of action there from Ridley in, on the weekend. He's at 20%. Jake Lloyd, one of the uh, regulars at, uh, for defence in AFL Fantasy, is 20% only. And Nick Haynes did see some ownership spike there on the weekend. So it's gone up to 16%, and I would imagine there as well for this week that would spike a little bit. Your thoughts on any one of those plays that you like? Um, I think, yeah, Mills is the one with the role, and hopefully Jake Lloyd. I still have belief in Jake Lloyd, even though he's been somewhat below the steps to start the season or halfway through the season. So those are the two for me. Okay, onto the midfielders, Jeb. So we've got Tim Taranto, 100%, locked. Zach Merritt, 96%. Tom Mitchell, 96%. Jack McRae, 88%. Sam Walsh at 72%. So my question to you here is, one player from that group that you would jump off ownership? Who is it? Of course it's Walsh. Of course it's Walsh. You know, that's uh, that's a big number. Um, And hopefully some of the... Coaches in the top 25 are listing and, and we're probably enforcing their, their trade choices here because it makes – yeah, that makes total sense. It makes total sense in that scenario, especially if you're around 20th or in the teens. I think, yeah, you take definitely take the punt. You've basically got to live and die that, by that decision and, and, and trade him out and see if you can climb rank. Okay, some low-owned... Well, I agree, agree with you on that, Walsh, on that uh, just that one play out of that group there. So just on to some low-owned midfielders to target. So Darcy Parrish, 40%. Lockie Neal, 24%. Did see an increase on the weekend from when he returned after the bye. So Andrew Brayshaw, 20%. Ollie Wines, fantastic this year, uh, 20%. Marcus Bontempelli, same boat as Wines, 16%. Callum Ward struggled a little bit, 12%. Jack Steele, high ceiling player, just at 12%. Brad Crouch on fire recently, 12%. Jack Cripps, 20%. Patrick Cripps, a little bit of action there pre-buy that he was okay, 12%. Jared Lyons, high ceiling player, 12%. Andrew Gaff, he was one of our favourites early in the year, but he's volatile scoring, 8%. And Tuke Miller, just one coach, 4% owned. I'll add three more there for you, Jep. 0% ownership, top 25. Clayton Oliver, zero. Cam Guthrie, zero. Ben Key, zero. All high-ceiling type players. Give me a couple that you like there. Yeah, Oliver. I definitely think, again, going into the business end of the season where Melbourne want to be, they want to finish top two. So for sure, I love Took Miller. I'm a Took Miller owner. And I think the standards he set um, for his team, he's a natural leader. Um, and that's going to continue. You know, he's all Australian at this point. Uh, they're the two for me that, um, and ironically, I own both of them. So, yeah, they'd be the two I'd be targeting. Yeah, there'd be about eight there that I could target quite easily if I wanted to flip my midfield. <laughs> yeah. But, but Took Miller, for sure, uh, I reckon he's bulletproof almost at this stage. Uh, Pally, he's been fantastic all, the, all this year, man. He's, his ceiling games are there. It's been actually... Uh, a pretty good year from Bontempelli from a fantasy point of view. And I'm going to give a third there. It's Lockie Neal. So um, he looks like to be have his inside contested ball uh, game back. But Mark O'Connor probably awaits him this week. So it's got to be interesting for those that might have a decision if they're targeting Neal to see what happens, you know, if 
if they think that Mark O'Connor is going to go to him again this this week. But uh, Neil was struggling with a back injury early in the season, so just got to wait and see how that plays out. Maybe, who knows? All right, Jeff, onto the forward line. So some highly uh, owned players here. Josh Kelly locked in 100%. Uh, Aaron Hall, 96% locked in. Uh, Nick Hine, 92% locked in. So pretty much everyone's got him. Lockie Hunter in the same boat, 84%. Dustin Martin, 76%. So five players. So pretty much the top five, uh, the top 25 have decided those five players are locked in. So, But yeah. my question to you is, name one player who that you would jump off ownership. Who is it? It's Dustin Martin because of the tag he attracts and the attention he attracts. And I, I can he Dusty can be lazy in games. So I, I would jump off Dusty in that instance. Um, if I have another choice, it'd be Hind as well because, you know, that throwing him half forward, obviously it didn't happen against Hawthorne. But if, if um, Rutten's going to mix the magnets around, he could, uh, he could suffer. Three premierships. Three Norman Smith medals, uh, one Brownlow medal, and yeah, okay. Yeah, no, look, I, it sounds crazy, but I stand by that comment because he, I just found him lazy in games. And the, may, again, maybe a rest will do him wonders too, who knows? And, you know, Richmond have always peaked at the right time in the last three years, four years. So, um, but he just looks. Yeah, he just looks a little step step lazy for me. And um, it's hard to score. People forget how hard it is to score three figures in AFL fantasy and you've really got to accumulate. Mm-hmm. And I have found that this year Dusty in the midfield has not been utilised as much as we've known him to be in the past. Uh, the one player that I would jump off there would probably be uh, Nick Hyde. So uh, 92% ownership there. So, obviously, he's had a fantastic year for the Bombers coming back, playing in that half-back role. But, yeah, he'd be one player that if I was going to jump off ownership there, that'd be that'd be it. All right, Jeff, I'm going to go into some low-owned players to target. So, Jack Siebel, a big ceiling game from him last week. Obviously, now, the, the most important thing there for that game for Siebel last week was that the Lions had 68 inside 50s. The Kangaroos only had 44. So, the in, inside differential was monster. And then all of a sudden, Jack Siebel has plenty of kick-outs or kick-ins, however you want to define it, uh, and scores quite large. So he's a 12%. Still side bottom. I'm still not sure on side bottom there. Uh, but he's averaging quite well recently, 8%. Patrick Dangerfield, haven't seen that much of a fantasy game since his return from injury at 4%. Now, a couple of 0% there is Scott Pendlebury. We have mentioned him previously. And also Dane Zorko, I'm going to throw in here. I did say early in the year, which was correct, and he did say on the radio pre-game that he was dealing with his Achilles injury, but give him uh, some time off. And he's had an extra week because he was suspended last week. So he, he's had a couple of weeks to freshen up, and he's actually been in very good form this year. So if you're really looking for that extra point of difference there, Zorko would be one I would start to target there as well. So, Jeb, who are your thoughts? Yeah, Zorko for sure. Um, like him. I uh, definitely still like Pendles, as we've discussed earlier. So, yeah, the forward options, we keep it simple. I think Zorko, I would love to get Zorko in this week, but just can't make it work. Um, and those with a bit more cash and, and you know, um, thinking that the majority will go Pendles this week, given his price, maybe if you want to be a bit different, a bit sneaky, you go Zorko mm. if you've got the cash. and. And hopefully Pendles is, uh, 
you know, below 100 or below 90, you might gain a bit there. All right, Jeff. So who are your top five targets for round 15? So just assuming uh, that you don't own any. So uh, if you've got them, you can still save them as a target. So who are your top five? So it would be Grundy. Yep. Pendlebury. Mm-hmm. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Lions, sorry. Yep. Jared Lyons and Bontempelli. I have Tuke Miller, Marcus Bontempelli, Jack Steele, Dane Zorko, Brody Grundy. So interesting there. There you go. Look, uh, the high ceiling players is what I'm all about. And, yeah, Tuke Miller is one that just misses out. Again, love him. Um, Oliver was the other one I thought of. People, A lot of people would be off of Oliver after what he, you know, he dished up an 80-odd against Collingwood. So... Making those calls this week when, when not many are going to is, is where you might climb a little bit. So the issue is just on that and targeting high ceiling players, they're not cheap. So uh, it could take a couple of weeks to extract enough cash to upgrade to these types. What are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, and that's that was kind of my theory during the buy rounds. Um, to get to a Took Miller is a lot easier in a three-trade week than it is in a two-trade week, isn't it? So... I brought in over the buy rounds, I brought in Took and Parish, amongst others, and Taranto was the third. And they're all very expensive players, but you could basically kiss those chances goodbye in a two um, two trade round. Yeah. So that was my theory behind the madness. Yes, I've gone on expensive players, but I've gone expensive players with very high ceiling, and I'm basically banking on uh, a lot of coaches not having them ahead of me, all them, but they all got to perform in the same week, don't they? So we'll see how it pans out. Um, high risk, high reward, still value elsewhere, um, and that's where you you can tick a lot of boxes and sort of stem the tide with with your um, with your scores and, and getting your balanced um, team with no with no rooks and and no underperforming you know mid prices or premiums as well for that matter. And then you can play with it. You know, I'm really looking forward in three weeks, two weeks for me to really start saying, oh, okay, let's get a bit funky here and potentially trade out a Jack McRae as hypothetically. And, and I'm not saying it could happen, but you look at those options and look at everyone's matchup who might get a tag. You know, if, if you had a full team of premiers this week, do you trade a Josh Kelly with his ankle concern? That kind of thing. So... Can't wait for that. Um, and I think the sooner we all get to that point where we have the luxury trade rounds, um, the better we'll do in rank and overall rank. All right, we'll get on to those value players in a minute. But first, we're going to target some uh, break-evens, so negative break-evens this week. So I'm just going to run you through the group, Jeff. So Joel Amati, if this one's minus 29, Luke Foley, minus 24, Luke Edwards, minus 23. Now... A heap of players coming back to the West Coast. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Ned Reeves could be back in town. Uh, minus 21. Uh, John Segler wasn't as good last week. So I would imagine Reeves at some stage is going to get another look in that Hawthorne team. Um, Max Lynch, you would think, would make way for Brody Grundy. Minus 10. Nick Bryan looks like he's on the adder. Sam Draper has returned at Essendon. Uh, Josh Trash, he's actually still at uh, minus 3. So he might be one there at the target. But Tabernet looks like he's going to return. 
and Kieran Briggs looks like he's under instant pressure with Shane Munford returning, but we'll see how that plays out as far as selection goes. So minus three there on Briggs. So just a thought or two on any one of those players, Jeff. Yeah, just the, the main two is Amadi and Foley. I still believe Foley is going to pick ahead of Nelson in the Eagles 22. I could be wrong, but that's the way I see it. And then Amadi's the no-brainer, um, given what he's given to the Swans in his two games or three games already. So, um, yeah, they're the two we need to target. So the, one more special mention here is uh, John Newcomb. So he had a monster amount of tackles in on debut, so 14 of those. But when those tackles dried up, so did his uh, scoring ability. And obviously, uh, he didn't record that many disposals on the weekend. So he's now break-even. has jumped to seven. So hopefully, we get a decent return from Newcomb this week. Jep, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I expect him to bounce back. Um, he just didn't look at himself like, well, he didn't look like the way he was against Sydney with that tenacity and that hunger. So... Yeah, who knows? Maybe he's a bit flat, a bit tired. Um, yeah, he's hoping for a big one this weekend. Okay, Jeff, other players to consider below 750k. So we're going to run through a list there. Just one or two lines on each of those, and we'll zip through these pretty quickly. So Andrew Brayshaw, last three, 104.7, 749k, break even to 97, low owned. What are you thinking? Uh, love the pick, especially going forward now. Uh, you know, Frio really needed to develop his game um, for next year, and he's going to be a prolific player next year. Okay, on to Jack Crisp, last nine, 103.8. So he's been pretty solid, 745k break, even 123. He's up there a little bit, low owned. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not worried about a role change with Crisp at all, so I think he's still a safe bet. Okay, Brad Crouch, last three, 123.3 has shown a ceiling game. I quite like him a lot, 744k, break even of 78, which you pretty much should be making money this week, so still low own, Jep. What are you thinking? Yeah, the thing concerning with Crouch is he'll play well if the team plays well. So St Kilda in the bottom eight, you'd think they'd have their challenges winning games from here on in, so it's a no from me. Christian Petrarca, 104 0.5 from his last two season average 106.5 739k 103 break even low owned so he was pretty big last year Jep but he's pretty much low owned this year and everyone's jumped off but uh, he's a, definitely a unique there available yeah and he's a sneaky sort of pick isn't he um, especially against Essendon this week I can see him doing pretty well Lockie Neal, uh, big target last week. So round 14, he scores 111. Obviously had his injury issues earlier this year. And he's at 728k, break even of 115, low owned. But uh, Mark O'Connor could be a chance to go to him this week. Jeb, so let's let's sort of focus in on the remainder of the season rather than this week. I like him as a long-term pick. What are you thinking? Um, I thought the conditions really suited the style of game that Lockie Neal plays, and I'd be hesitant to trade him in over the next couple. I would like another couple of weeks, so I might sit on the fence on him. Okay. On to Jake Lloyd. So, obviously, the Swans have changed their game style this year. They've been more uh, efficient moving the ball forward rather than holding the ball across halfback, where Lloyd has seen a lot of plus sixes over his career. So, his season average is 98.9, um, 722K, break even of 116, which is around about where he averages anyway. So, low owned. I actually think he's a pretty good target here. Jeb, what are you thinking? Yeah, I still think so too. I, um, I, I back him in, and he's... Hopefully over the break, the Swans have identified that he needs the ball a little more. 
Sam Doherty, last three, 90.3, so a bit of a decline here from Doherty, 722k, break-even to 120, so it's jumping up there. And high ownership, Jep, is this one player also that we need to jump off potentially? I Yeah, I'm not, I've am not. i not been a Doherty fan um, for various reasons. He's a fantastic player and all the rest of it, but from a fantasy thing, I think in defence we've got way better options. Andrew Gaff, 84.8 from his last four, so big decline. So 708k now, so he's getting into that value range, but break even on 132, maybe we can wait a one or two weeks to make sure he drops down around about 650k range. So low ownership, Jeb. Um, could he be a target again soon? He'll, he'll improve. With, with Shuey and Kelly coming back, he, he's actually, people may not have realised how much inside mid he's played and the fella can't lay a tackle to almost save his life um, sometimes. So a little bit lost, and I, I expect big scores out of him now that the Calvary's back for, for West Coast. So watch this space. So remember Luke Shuey came into that team and he started to target Gaff? Remember that was the big gap? Yeah. was to throw the, the potato chips on the ground and he just went yeah. crazy? Remember that's what you did? Absolutely, my so, friend. So you put that experience back into the team and all of a sudden they start to target Gaff. So we are we going to see that for the remainder of the year? I, I think we are. Maybe not straight away because the Bulldogs are a high-possession team. Um, but I think long-term and the way the Eagles want to play, uh, Gaff will be coming back in for form. And as soon as he bottoms out, there'll be a lot of coaches jumping on him, trust me. So that's just a, a bit of a recall there. That I remember that game, obviously, we both remember it. We both had gas. Mm-hmm. But it's just that senior experience and that trust to know that that's my player. I'm going to him all the time. So that's where Gaff and Shuey and, and Yo and all these players could sort of gel together again. And obviously, uh, Gaff can hit those ceiling games again. You're thinking again? Yeah, agree. T- totally agree. I think um, he's going to surprise many. but um, and, and he'll be more accustomed to the outside role that he's used to instead of the inside role. Gaff doesn't score as well, weirdly, playing as an inside mid, and it's just because of his tackle numbers. Okay, on to Tom Stewart now. Season high in round four, even 121. He was fantastic last week. 705k, break even of 93. Medium ownership. Jeb, I like him. What are you thinking? Yeah, he was really good. Um, people have been pumping up his tyres after his performance on the weekend, and rightly so. I think the coaching staff and someone that looked at the game a little bit closer, like myself, you've got to realise how much pressure the Geelong mids put on the ball handler, especially for the Bulldogs, and that allowed Stewart to just peel off and, and dominate. So if Geelong can keep up that midfield pressure on the kicker and the runners, Stewart is going to have a really good back end of the season. So most teams, opposing teams this year, they've, they've actually tried to engage Stewart to make sure that he doesn't get the ball. And obviously, with the, the change in rules this year, with the, the man on the mark rule, where you know you you can't guard the mark as possible, and therefore teams used to just bomb it over the top, and he used to take those intercept marks. So with that man on the mark rule, teams are more efficient going inside 50. So uh, combine that, therefore Stewart hasn't seen that many ceiling games, but yeah, on the weekend that he was uh, highly influential. So if we get some of those games to finish out the year, he should be a pretty good target there. Okay, on to the next one, Jai Simpkin. So his last three is at 112.3. Now he has had high midfield usage at centre bounces all year for the Kangaroos, and he's starting to get his fantasy game together. I like him, 700k break even of 80, low own jeopardy, you're thinking? Yeah, Jed Anderson might um, come back in a couple of weeks that 
throws things a bit, but generally in my head, I'm trying to stay away from the prolific midfielders of the lesser teams. Okay, onto Steel's side bottom last five, 96.8. He's actually been quite solid, Jeb. Not 684k, break even at 103, low owned. What are you thinking? Oh, he's. I'm just nervous about him, I suppose. For, Me too. It's just the injury, you know, I can just see him pulling a car for a quad or a soft, any soft tissue. So, yeah, no, I, I, I can't do it yet. Yeah, trust not there, really. So I bought him and he's aging there, so if you're a bit of an ages there, it's a good excuse to get off. Okay, on to Patrick Cripps, last five, 97.4, 663K, 100 break-even, low-owned. Um, I, I think it's okay to target him, but I think there are uh, a lot of other value players about. Jep, what are you thinking? Well, you know, you compare Pendles to Cripps, which would you prefer? It's obviously Pendles. So there's a lot ahead of Cripps. Again, Carlton not in great shape. So you, you would avoid, I think. Okay, on to Luke Ryan. So 107.5 from his last two games. 612k, he's really down there in price, break even of 75, and he is low ownership. So with a few defenders coming back into that team for Fremantle, that sort of freed up Luke Ryan to take those intercept marks, and he is well utilised coming out of defence. I like him at that price. What are you thinking? Yeah, being freed up you know, has its massive advantages, and he's still cheap, so... Point of difference, like we talk about. Does he have the highest ceiling? Probably not, but um, yeah, one to definitely not ignore. Dustin Martin, last three, 98, 612K, break even is 69, but he's got high ownership there. So it's just one of those things. If you don't own him and you, you're moving into high ownership, is it you might start to look elsewhere, but otherwise I think he's pretty solid. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, just with, further with Dusty. He, there's going to be games where he gets another 120, 110. But there are other games where he's going to get 68, 75, or whatever it is. So he's traditionally a roller coaster scorer, and I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, I want I want the consistent high scoring players. Okay, Riley O'Brien last three 99.7. So he's still really cheap there, Jeb. So he's at 603k, and break even obviously is low at 65. So low ownership there as well. What are you thinking, Jeb? I still like him. Yeah, the, the ownership in the top 25 doesn't, you know, and that obviously extends beyond the top 25, doesn't appeal to me that much. I think, yeah, I just don't want to muck around and go straight to Grundy, but that might be lazy. Being different is sometimes my preference, and that would be picking a Riley O'Brien, wouldn't it? Onto Scott Penelbury, so his last two is uh, average 101, so obviously a bit of midfield usage and halfback usage. So hopefully it's midfield there. So 592k is going to be a massive target this week, Jeff. So his break even is 76, lower owned, but I expect that to be uh, medium to high owned by the end of next week, Jeff. You thinking? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer for me. Onto Dan Houston, so um, he's also down low in price, so he's had his shoulder concerns this year. Last three, 93.7, so 584k, so he's monster cheap as well, break even at 72, but he has medium ownership. I still think he's a pretty big target, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, agreed. I still think he's a really good pick. You know, I, um, I watch him real closely. I've traded him in on in round 14, watched him real closely and rode, a, <laughs> rode every possession. 
Um, and probably could have done better than he actually did. So, yeah, still a lot to like with Dan Houston. So one player we flagged a couple of weeks ago was Nick Haynes. So it was Sam Taylor injury. So Haynes was a, a target to go back, and that's exactly what he's done. So he's averaged 101 from his last two. 5-12K, still cheap enough. Sam Taylor is getting close to return, so you've got to keep an eye on that as well. He's got a monster a low break even of nine, just 29. Again, 5-12K, low ownership. I still think he's a pretty good target. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm still cautious. The only reason why I'm cautious is the two soft matchup matchups that he's had, um, and Cullen butchering the ball going forward as well. So, um, for the price, that's what you're going for, isn't it? It's sort of a a, a couple of um, steps to, or a step up to before a primo. So. You can either go straight to a premier one trade or you can go Haynes for a few weeks and then go to a premier after. So one more play I'm going to throw in here. He has had his injury concerns. It's Dion Prestia. But he's 560k and break even to 92 and he is obviously low owned. Jep, what are you thinking? No, I can't do it again. It's much like the side bottom. The soft tissue history, it's just too risky. Imagine, like, and I feel so sorry for uh, Duncan owners after what happened last weekend. Um, and that could happen with Prestia as well. All right, Jeff, we're going to get on to some uh, listener plays requests. So thank you for sending those. So these are the players that we haven't already covered. Um, I did throw, throw those in the podcast for those that were requested. So, again, thank you for sending those in. We're going to do a five-pack to finish off the podcast. So, Jep, just a quick like or dislike to finish off. So, Carl Amon, last three, 106.3. So, he's up there, 673K, break even of 88, low owned. Like or dislike? I'm actually a like. I'm a dislike. I think um, the ceiling is what he lacks. Onto Hugh Greenwood. So, last four, 94.3, but he has volatile scoring there. Jep, 671K, break even of 99, low ownership. I'm going to say dislike. What are you thinking? Yeah, no, dislike for me, for sure. Um, big tackler, obviously, that's where he gets the bulk of his points. Um, but, yeah, he can really struggle to get his hands on it sometimes. And if he does, he's a handball-happy player. Shea Bolton. So his last seven, he's averaged 101.1. So it's been actually quite good. 675K, break even of 101 there as well. So low-owned. Um, there's He can average and put up pretty decent scores and he's quite unique so but I'd, I'd be still hesitant going there so I'm going to say dislike it's dislike for me again to see, I, he doesn't have the ceiling but at this point of the game we need to have the players with the big ceiling okay Toby McLean comes back into the AFL system so he was a late inclusion last week so it was great round uh, 14 he scores 81 so 517k break even at 68 is obviously low owned. So, but for me, I'm still not going there because that, I can't trust his scoring, and who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks when, since he's only was a late inclusion in round 14. Jet. Yeah, it's a bit like um, he's a bit like Haynes, where he's that step, um, half a step before the primo, isn't he? So, it may suit a few that um, you know looking to trade out. Sam Walsh, for example, to a McLean or whatever and, and can upgrade elsewhere. So it just depends on the circumstances, but dislike for me. All right, last player here, Jeb. Sam Draper comes back in. He actually played quite good last week against Ben McAvoy and John Segler. So round 14, he scores 83. He's at 457K, which is really cheap. Break even at 65, low owned. Now, 
for me, I'm going to say this lot, but if you really want to mix things up, it's probably, it might be someone you can target, but I still don't trust his scoring, and I don't think we've seen enough at him at AFL level to actually trust his scoring. So, Jet, for me, I'm going to say this lot. No, dislike for me too. We can't muck around. We've just got to get the um, the players of the ceiling and that are going to dominate. I think people's mentality needs to be, I'm bringing this player in for the rest of the season. Is he going to be great for the rest of the season? And for Draper, I can safely say no. All right, Jep, final thoughts ahead of round 15. Uh, yeah, keep up with the news. Um, not many rooks around, so... Pick up the value. I think Amadi and, and the cash generation that he provides and potentially a Foley, if I'm right, with Nelson going out of the 22. So making sure that's one of your trades this week. And, yeah, good luck. Yeah, just be smart in your decision-making. Obviously, keep in mind your trades ahead. So start to plan ahead in a two-by-two trade scenario. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and FOMO is going to be real uh, with a few players to hit out the remainder of the season, especially with potentially Brody Crandy coming up really quickly, Jep. Yeah, good, great, 100%. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, That's it for episode 95. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.